0: Welcome to Mike up Sports, the show that gives people in sports an unfiltered platform to share their stories. If you want to help us tell more stories, check us out at Patreon.com/TSBTelevision, paypalme television or on Cash App at TSB Television. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the show. Greetings everyone. Welcome to another virtual panel edition of mic Up Sports and this time the adults are talking. My three guests, all former division one basketball athletes, they were standouts at their respective high schools, but they also have a lot to say and a lot to offer us when it comes to issues involving racial justice, which has been a recurring theme over the last month or so following George Floyd's death, and the conversation is still going at breakneck pace. So we're glad to have these three women on to offer their insights and some thought-provoking conversation. So for those who may not have seen you before, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves to the masses? All right, I'll start. Okay. You go ahead.
1: No, you're good.
2: All right, so I'm Suzanne Guillory, a recent graduate from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in terms of overseas or jobs, but in the process, but I'm Suzanne Guillory, so nice. I'm, here, I'm happy to be here to be able to speak about this issue of, of racial justice, but just everything in general. We need to be better, um, and I'm excited to speak about it. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, my name is Tia Elbert, a uh, recent graduate of Indiana University. Currently, I live in Dallas, Texas. Um, I am working in business and then uh, also trying to get some of my own personal endeavors going as well. And then, much like Suzanne said, uh, happy to be here. I think it's a very important conversation to have. Uh, appreciate you, Mike, for continuing the conversation because yeah. we definitely cannot forget. Uh, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it.
3: Well, my name is Kayla McMorris. I'm a recent graduate of University of Wisconsin-Madison as well. Um, I currently reside in Minnesota, but I'm also playing professionally overseas. I played in uh, Turkey, Sweden, and Germany. And as my other two friends said, Suzanne and Tia, we're just happy to be here and thanking Mike, for allowing us to continue this conversation and give our opinions and voice our opinions as Black women athletes, too. So...
0: Well, I'd like to thank all of you for coming on. I know the three of you have experienced a wave of emotions, thoughts, feelings for the last month since George Floyd's death and the developments, the changes we are seeing at the government level, the business level, and the community level, almost unprecedented. In fact, several businesses are now putting the pressure on the Washington NFL team, to dump the Redskins' nickname. And just this morning, Maker Maker, a five-star recruit, announced that he would be playing for Howard University. And that could be the first of perhaps a wave of HBCU commitments. So this story is ongoing, and the developments just continue to surprise us in shocking ways in some cases, but in good ways in others. So for the three of you, what was your feeling what did you experience when you first heard about George Floyd's death, and what would you make of the response we have seen since that fateful encounter on Memorial Day?
2: Um, I guess I can start. start. Go ahead, Sue. I mean, as we see here, it's, it's been repeated death. After death, murders, murders, um, And it's frustrating. It's sickening. Um, and I think for us to be in our home of Minneapolis, it was even more um, disheartening. And like, just the system overall has, has really, I mean, broken us down. Um, and it's t- we're tired of it. We're t- it's the word tired is, it should be used to its maximum. Um, I was actually at home with my dad when it had happened. And then we just had a conversation about it. Like he's always driving through Minneapolis where we're from, right? Um, driving to work, things like that. It could have happened to him, right? So just knowing that just the color of our skin could be used against us is it's sad. And it's, it's sickening and it needs to be addressed. And I think as the world is coming to address the situation and finally wants to acknowledge a black body, um, people are finally, especially white allies, are finally coming and saying, Okay, we we should come together, we should finally acknowledge us. But why did it have to come I guess to George Floyd's death or murder to for us to be acknowledged and for us to finally have people come and support us. That's just that it's 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 not okay. It's not okay.
3: Yeah. And it's it's, th- it's it's sickening. Well, to me I think it's crazy how like It's almost as if we're immune to it now. It's like,
2: we've we've
3: seen, yeah, it's almost like it's normalized. Like, we've seen so many innocent uh, black, you know, folks been killed by the cops on national TV, on social media. And it's like, you wake up and see this stuff and it's like, your reaction is so like, calm now and it's just to the fact that that's not normal like you shouldn't be able to see innocent people being killed by people who are supposed to protect us like there's no way that that's normal that's traumatizing like we see this stuff every day we experience it like I have three older brothers I have a dad like you you don't even know at this point like what could happen to them you know so like in George Floyd situation you know there's Eric Gardner the same similar situation of him being choked out but it's like it took this for people to finally realize after how many deaths have happened you know Mm -hmm. like it's frustrating to me
1: and I think the thing that always scares me is you know being black in America this is something that we've had to deal with countless times um while most people get to go on with their lives and you know these types of situations don't really affect them or don't bother them this is something that we've lived and relived. Uh, what well, we're 24, 23 years old, mm-hmm. right? This has happened countless times. And so, you know, like Kayla would say, you become immune to it. But I know mm-hmm. me personally, sometimes, like as I've seen these situations, I try not to get too invested into it. Because when mm-hmm. I've got invested into it in the past, I've been hurt and broken, you know, you follow a story, you read exactly what happened, you see that it wasn't right, you follow it all the way to the trial and then you get a not guilty verdict. And you know, that's like crushing. Mm -hmm. And I really don't know how to explain it. Like it's so many different emotions that I feel, you know, anger, hurt, you know, revenge, like how can this be possible? And so over time I will say, I try not to get too invested into it because I can't rely on our justice system to get it right now because they mm. usually don't get it right. And it, it, it's really messed up, especially when it comes to black Americans. But, you know, I am following the George Floyd situation and I'm hoping they're going to be brought to justice, but it's also like, you know, don't cross your fingers because
2: mm. we let down.
1: And that's the part that's so messed up about it. Um, then, you know, I would say back in my college days, one thing that used to piss me off is that no <clears throat> one wanted to talk about what was going on in our America, in the locker room.
3: Mm-hmm. People would
1: get uncomfortable. They would try to change the subject. And it's like, I would love for us to live in one America, but that's not the case. It's mm-hmm. at least two Americas, right? And there may be more for other minorities and things like that, but um you know, people don't want to have conversations that make them feel uncomfortable. Uh, I think now we're open to those conversations now, and it's a little bit more welcome. So I, I think that's a good start.
2: I think, you, I mean, Chi, you bring up a, a really good point in terms of, obviously, we know our justice system. We know how operation has been letting us down for, ye- for centuries, for years. Um, what do you all think needs to be done to, to break this system down?
3: You gotta get the crooked people out of out of the most powerful positions Mike mm. Freeman is a terrible person yeah. he, he's quick to convict black people of certain crimes like you know Mohammed Noir the cop that killed the white woman in Minneapolis he got 12 right. and a half years but it took them what forever to not right. even forever but them to charge Derek Chauvin, whatever it took them a few day or a few weeks and you could see exactly what happened on camera um the case of uh sorry what's the guy i'm drawing a blank that got killed in his car with his daughter philip
0: Phil- philando Phil- castile philando castile
3: the cop didn't get convicted they found that nope. to be justifiable i'm like but you all also quick to convict a somalian cop for this the same exact crimes the same but- crimes. So it's like, obviously there's some type of racial bias going on. It's evident, it's clear, it's out in bright daylight. Like, let's stop, let's stop being blind to this. This stuff is like, it's getting out of hand. We can't, like, we gotta get them people out of, we gotta recall those people Mm -hmm. in those positions. You gotta recall them.
1: And the thing with that uh, Muhammad Noir case is that when that happened and I saw that it was a, a black minority cop and right. white cop. I knew yep. by the way. I'm about to make an example out of him.
3: Mm-hmm. And that's sad.
2: That's right. It's it, it, just exactly what happened to it, and it's just like, it's but if I was a white cop, yeah. And
1: mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have went to jail, right? Right. It's just that when you see similar cases, because there have been multiple, it, it's easy and clear as day to see the the injustice that happens, and it really sickens me that people try to act like that that injustice is not there
2: yeah
3: and it's like why do we have to be the ones to be made an example out of you know like majority of the time they want to set an example through black people oh you do this you're gonna go to jail like right you know like it's just frustrating and and it's
2: been like that for centuries right you know like and even if you think about Emmett Till's death like that whole thing like just made us even, I just think like, it's so frustrating to talk about because he didn't have to go out that way. A young boy, a young boy has such a long life to live, you know, and for him to be killed over him trying to, I guess, try to talk to a white woman, I, I just don't get that, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's really frustrating, it's sickening, it's, it's, you know? We gotta break, I think the system, it, it has to be broken down if we live in a capitalist, imperialist society, and we can't, like you said, we can't be blind by that. It's it's shown, you know? So we have to really look at this system, look at the whole realistic thing.
1: Mm -hmm. And back to your question, too, about like, what do you think we need to do? I definitely think, you know, it starts, so all of these topics stem from police brutality, and so yeah, the last decade, they've been doing this thing with a tag police reform where, you know, they give them um, bias training and, you know, things like that. And so it it starts with our police departments because they're not equipped to deal with Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that they have to deal with. Um, When you think of certain things that a police officer may get called for, it could be a domestic dispute. um, It could be something as serious as like murder or something like that. It could be something that's not as serious, but they're dealing with like a, a mental, a person that has mental illness, like they're schizophrenic mm-hmm. or something like that. It could be something to do with um, a house call where you know they're checking on the welfare of kids and things like that. Like throughout their days, they may deal with so many different, so many things different things cases. Of the end of the spectrum, and yeah. they all don't require a deputized officer that has weapons or anything like if they're dealing with someone that has mental illness there shouldn't be any weapons involved whatsoever right I it, think- it takes a type of training to to deal with that and so when you hear the term defund the police that's exactly what that means you know maybe we should reserve the cops for what they're actually trained for you know dealing with murders and things like that or mass shooters or something like that And then when you're dealing with, you know, a house call for kids' welfare, you would have a different type of professional go and deal with that type of thing. And then, you know, mental illness, you have someone that's um, equipped to deal with that. You know what I mean? But how many times, you know, I can't think of the cases off the top of my head, but you've had cases where cops are called to kind of help with someone that may be like autistic, um, some type of mental illness. And it's just handled the, the, if you think of all the ways that you can handle it, That's probably the worst way you can deal with it you know what i mean and Mm. it's just because they're not they're not trained to do so and then another thing is they're scared of the community that they're supposed to protect if you're scared of the people that you're quote-unquote protecting maybe you need to find a different profession
3: and that's
2: i mean it's a good point This was a young boy that just got killed he was i think he was autism they had autism they had called the police on him i think he was walking down the street um, and Wait. Yeah, the cop had shot him. I'm not oh, sure, I'm not too too factual on it, but I know it just had happened recently. Um, but I think, like you say, I think it's defunding the police, but also putting the money into different parts of the communities. So, you know, community centers, right? Helping kids go to the community centers as possible. Different things like that. Like, and I just think in terms of even policing, like, they need longer training. Six months is not long enough for you to sit here and, and gather and understand everything needs to be going on. But also understand that you need to come in learning about the implicit biases that you hold, um, the stereotypes, all that need to be in place and and you need to take classes repeatedly to really understand kind of who you are, um, Mm -hmm. especially when you go into these communities. Because countless times, you know, black people are being killed because these white people are coming, white police are coming into these communities. This is the first time they have ever seen a black person or ever encountered and all they've heard was, okay, Black people are, you know, they're they're animals. They're violent. They're they're violent, you know. They're not great people. So what do you expect? What do you think What's going to happen,
3: right? Yeah, I think, like you said, like in-depth evaluations, mental evaluations. Evaluations. Like, y'all need to go through some type of therapy or whatever it is where they can sit there and ask you all these different types of questions, see your bias, your opinions on how you feel about certain people, certain situations. Like, what happens Mm. when you know, you have two black guys walking down the street, like, at nighttime, and you're driving past, and they, they may look suspicious, but they're not, you know, like, what do you think that is, you know, like, something like that, just for them to get, you know, some type of idea of who they're bringing into, you know, to be officers, right, like, this is, it has to come to some type of, you know, agreement point where they're trying to change, you know, yeah.
1: Other thing, too, when we talk about, like, defunding the police, and this was very interesting to me when I saw it come across my timeline, but I was on Instagram, and so one Mm. thing that I advised everyone to do is to kind of look at their city budgets to see where the money is going. So someone posted this infographic about Dallas, and the question was, how much does your city allocate to police? Mm. So Dallas has a $1.44 billion budget. 60% of that goes to the Dallas Police Department. And and it's like why for what like (laughs) so So that means that education is not even getting the majority of that budget. One, you know, they talk about how bad the DISD schools are, the Dallas, you know, district schools are. Um, But the police are getting sixty percent of that budget. That that comes down to five hundred and sixteen million. And it's just like why when Dallas still has a, a high crime rate. So clearly, you know, they're getting all this money for what? Is it for the, the chargers um, that they drive, you know, the vehicles that they drive? Um, a lot of it goes to certain weapons that they like to get that they probably don't even need. Um, but when I saw that, I was just like, wow, not only that, but 516 goes to the Dallas Police Department, only 12 million goes to the Office of Homeless Solutions. And then only three million goes to housing
3: and neighborhood revitalization wow. so and i bet you yeah, it tells you right and i bet you that those graphics or those demographics change too because like depending on the city and who's the who's the majority of the city i bet you like okay because like you said dallas there's probably more what african americans than there are african yeah American
1: diverse
3: yeah it's yeah Mm -hmm. so they probably like okay well we're gonna spend more money on the police because we need to be there you know to you know like let's be honest like you look at what some you know white majority you know city and then you probably they're probably the numbers probably change so like
2: thank you
3: so right they probably still have obviously majority of the money but like i bet you it's lower than it would be in a you know more of a community where there's Mm -hmm. more black people so that's crazy like they we need those resources too like come on now Um, like
1: especially 60 percent. you couldn't divvy it up like
3: i would even at
1: least we were able to match what we give to the dallas police department to the to education right mm -hmm. to make sure that my underserved communities and minority kids are getting the education that they deserve i mean it's 2020 and i still hear about Certain areas in the United States like Milwaukee for instance where kids don't even have access to books Yeah, no, mm. and there's I grew up in the, in the suburbs, you know for the most part of my life where some of us were getting laptops You know iPads Right every was laptop iPad and there's mm. Pockets in the United States where they don't even have access for every kid to get the books that they need That's a little bit
3: that's definitely we, telling.
2: Super weird, yeah. yeah. And I think if you think about it, it's a book called, um, it's by Jonathan Kozo. Um, I can't remember the name right now. But he speaks about, like, obviously schools being funded by property taxes. And so half of these lower-income schools are not being funded because we don't, the property taxes. So we have to reevaluate re- that as well um, and figure that out because that's something that should not happen. Like, there should be, Eloquent resources in every school, every opportunity should be given to every children. But again, everybody's we speaking about here, the funding, you know, and, and what, what, what can we do with that? Like what, you know, when you have a lack of resources. How can you be educated on issues? And but also better yourself and your family. You know, how can you break generational curses?
0: It is. Yeah. Well, you brought up a couple of points. Uh, if you're still following us uh, when we started this about three hours ago, no, ITs, I appreciate uh, this camaraderie and this uh, feeding off each other. I can tell you're all basketball players because you're all uh, passing dimes to each other here. But <laughs> Kayla, you spoke of this and this has been a theme that I've explored. And I think it's worth exploring for you three as well. You've grown up, you have seen the movement, or the frustration and all of the responses that started with Trayvon Martin, as far as Black Lives Matter is concerned. But if you've seen films like 13th or, you know, read a little history, I've mentioned the Rondo neighborhood in past panels, the Duluth lynchings, so many transgressions against black men and women have happened for so long. How surreal is it to become numb to something that, really should be bothersome i mean you know you three of course are upset and understandably so when you hear another black man or woman killed when they didn't need to be but to become desensitized to it how surreal is that
3: i just feel like we have seen it so much over the years as we've grown up you know trayvon martin that happened when we were in high school like so then, so then, then think of that all the way up until now. Like, of course, you know, there's been police brutality since we were young or when we were little and didn't even know what was going on. Like, um, even like the Rodney King case, like you know, like stuff like that. That's been t- that's been seen on television, you know. So then, I don't know. It's just like you go from that incident, even though I was, I didn't know what was going on then, um, and then now it's like. It's more realistic because it's like you you see it as you're older and then you you understand more of like the racial issues and all that stuff that's going on between each other. And it's just like, it's to a point where it's like, they'll post something on social media. Like, you know, you follow all these pages that show all these, all these different um, assaults happening or murders mm-hmm. happening and you'll just, I'm at the point where I'm just like, dang, another one, like... <laughs> and it, that's not normal like that's like people us seeing that i feel like everybody that has has seen this especially black people need to go through some type of therapy because that's not normal you shouldn't have to wake up and think like like tia you don't know if your boyfriend could be killed mm-hmm. like that's not normal someone you live with imagine not seeing him again you know like we shouldn't feel like this or our dads or our brothers and it's like it's almost like when the hell are they going to do something about it? Like, right, you right, know, so and then once that happens, then I'll probably get to point where it's like, okay, this isn't like, obviously it's not cool, but now this isn't, we shouldn't be seeing this, you know, like it, it would have a different effect on me because I'm at like the point where it's like, we've seen someone get killed by the police. They go to trial. They probably, some of them don't even get arrested or if they do get arrested, they go to trial, they get found not guilty. So then it's like, dang, well, I've, got my hopes up for Trayvon Martin that didn't that fell through and then every, every incident after then it's like like Tia said it's almost a point you don't even want to follow the case because you don't want you yeah. to be let down you don't want to be sad you don't want to you know so yeah I wouldn't say that I don't it doesn't impact me it does obviously because I'm so like militant about this <laughs> but like it's just it's just frustrating it's just it's almost it's normalized when it shouldn't be normalized.
0: And I hope you understood where I was going with that question. I wasn't saying you have yeah. no feeling, don't care. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. Okay, yeah. It, I, it probably I don't just
3: want to, came off yeah differently. I I, yeah.
0: I, do, I don't want to diminish this, uh, but Suzanne, Tia, what do you have to add to Kayla's points?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think like
2: just uh, with the new media, having phones and stuff has allowed people to obviously film and show that this is this is happening but I think it's impacting us daily. Like we can walk outside, I can walk outside right now. And I, I, like Kayla said, I could be killed, right? Or my my dad could be killed. So it's just understanding like this is, it's not new. And it's, if we don't change or fix things going around, have conversations, people aren't, it's not going to change. And um, as we, as we continually see each and every day, man, like people are, are having conversations, speaking about it, but um, it starts with the system. It starts with, what they can do the people in the higher up and that it allows i think it's, it's the biggest piece is having people of color in the system to fight for us just to change and fix it because it's that's not gonna, it's not gonna happen if we don't do that you know but it's impacting us all every day um it's, it's it's it shouldn't be normalized that that shouldn't have to be but like we said we live in two sides of america and we're at disadvantage especially i can even talk about being a woman of color i feel like we are at a, at a lower pedestal as well we're at the lower bottom t- totem pole in terms right, what of it, you know, jobs
3: what did malcolm you know, like, say? the most okay. disrespected woman, woman in america is, is the black woman like because yeah. we deal with like you said oppression from both standpoints are black guys. and we're a woman. so that's another um, topic though <laughs> it is
2: another topic that we can even elaborate on more but
1: They hit the nail on the head, you know. Uh, like Kayla said, it, it still impacts us, you know. It's just something that you kind of become numb to, where it's like, oh wow, another one. Like, I remember the George Floyd situation happened and I saw it. I watched maybe 30 seconds of it and I was just like, wow, scroll past She's it. Like- I don't want to watch that. Then I seen, you know, how many outlets posted it. And I was like, this is gaining national attention pretty fast so it it must be really serious so i decided Mm -hmm. to watch the whole video that was almost 10 minutes long and you know when you actually sit and and watch you know like becoming numb to it really just means like you kind of like you take a piece of you that you don't want to emotionally invest into this situation like you're aware of it right your repost or something like that, but you try not to get emotionally invested because it's not the first time. It's not the second. It's not the third. It's not the fourth. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I sat down and I watched the video and I'm just like the whole 10 minutes of it. If you can sit there and you can watch the whole nearly 10 minutes of that video. And the first mm-hmm. thing you can say is, well, was he resisting or he was on drugs or he, he committed a crime there's you're racist at the end of the day right um if and if you are a minority and you say that I'm just gonna say you're confused (laughs) because there's no way that anyone can watch the full 10 minutes of that video and and think of anything negative to say about that other than that the cops killed that man right (laughs) uh so I think that's one thing that I'm frustrated with um but like they said, right? It starts with change. Uh, one thing that I will say is, you know, when we think of voting, right? And this is something as you get older, you learn about things, and they teach us all this. They teach us all this bullshit in school, and as you get older, you realize that a lot of the things they taught you don't hold much weight when you turn 22 and graduate college. Like they teach you things to get a grade. But I've learned a lot more outside of school, um, as far as that relates to me as a Black woman in America, uh, outside of school. Um, but you know, the, the um, big elections, like for the president and things like that, those get a lot of publicity. But what I'm starting to realize as I get older and learn more is that you know, your local elections probably hold the most weight. Uh, you know, President Obama, President Trump, they can only do so much, right, because they actually have checks and balances. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we have a Republican president, but we have a Democratic-controlled Congress or something like that, or Democratic-controlled House of Representatives, only so much is going to get done um, that will affect the masses. But if you pay attention to your local elections, like Kayla was saying earlier, with Attorney General Mike Freeman, um, Mm -hmm. pay attention to those types of elections, that's probably where you can... um, create the most change change like those
2: local
1: elections because we don't know any better right unless we go and seek out information ourselves we probably would have went you know years maybe without focusing on our local elections as much as we focus on the presidential election and those are probably the most important to affect change in your community where you live um and breathe every single day so
3: you want to know something that's crazy? It's a little off topic, but not really. But you know, Mike Freeman went to uh, therapy for uh, a rehab for an alcohol problem. Really? Imagine if he would have been black. Yeah, you Man, he'd have been. He would have been out um, of there, right? He would have. Like, he. wouldn't <laughs> <he, laughs> been. Man. He wouldn't even been in that position. That's not no, funny, no. but it's like that's why I'm, I'm happy we have people like Keith Ellison, though. So, you know, he's the, yeah, he's the attorney general. So, like, it's nice to see.
1: Uh, He's,
3: um, he's basically, Mike Freeman's, like, the head of the prosecutors. He's the lead prosecutor of Minnesota. Terrible person. But, yeah. But, um, yeah, when I found that out, like, I remember my mom telling me that. I'm just, like, imagine if he would have been black. Like, there would have been no way. mm -hmm. As soon as they, even if it would have been a rumor of him having a, being an alcoholic, he would have been out of there. This man went yeah. to therapy, came a rehab, and then came back to his position. Like, come on now. There's,
2: there's no way. And
3: you don't think that him being an alcoholic probably had a lot of influence on the stuff that the was going maybe? on, this, his decisions, okay. despite him being racist? Like, <laughs> Definitely could have.
1: And, and that's not even to say, you know, to your point that, you know, that's not a problem that many people probably experience, right? Right. It's just that since he's a white American you know th- they get more chances to get things right as opposed to a minority right th- that they, they may have an issue alcoholism that you know you look at this, the statistics a lot of people are affected by that but being black yeah. America you have to be like damn near perfect to, be, to. be awarded the same chances that others get.
2: Mm-hmm. And we have to work 10 times harder to, to right. get where we need to go. Um, Especially when we get in these positions, we got to fight for them, we got to, you know, do work even much harder. Um, And so like, yeah, I think with Mike Freeman, that's, it's not shocking. No, it ain't shocking that he was able to do that. You know, he used his power and his will.
3: Right. And you gotta look at even Trump. What this man right, got? Right. All these rape allegations. And all this stuff fight. he even said. His twit. He got Twitter fingers. Like, <laughs> like, come on now. Like, this man, They try to get Obama out of there. Like, for him even being born in Hawaii. Come on now. Like, <laughs> they use
2: anything to get him out of office. Yeah.
3: They said he's not an American citizen.
1: Hawaii is part of the 50 states tough, obama wore a tan suit i don't know if y'all remember this. yes i remember oh, yeah, that yeah
3: i'm like you got trump being accused of rape by like so many different women and you want to you know get up not even allow obama to be president because of what he wears where he's from like <laughs> it's because he's black Blackity black black black
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, I'm going to file that under things I probably shouldn't say uh, with that last remark. (laughs) Uh, But you said it was going off topic. In a sense, though, I don't think it really is with this conversation because Tia and Suzanne, you alluded to this as well. So as athletes and now as women in the professional world, do you recall either the first time or maybe the most uh, outstanding if you get where I'm going with this, or the most impressionable moment when you dealt with an experience involving prejudice or racism that illustrated the obstacles that the three of you, as you noted earlier, the three of you as black women have to go through that I necessarily don't have to worry about.
3: I mean, at Wisconsin, um, at a football game, I think what uh, season ticket holders, they 2016 this is 2016 right so like i was a junior yep junior um i guess these season ticket holders whatever they have a lot of money you know so they wore a mask obama mask with the noose around it and wore it to the game like they got in through security got all the way to their seats had this on and it was it was on national tv whatever the game was on national tv i can't remember who they played but it was a big game right
0: it's wisconsin but i think I every game is big it was exactly it was, exactly. A big game.
3: It, was but it was a good it and it was was a a night game, game it was good. too yeah it was a night game and yeah this made headlines it was all over social media and honestly they really didn't do much about it until like yeah, we decided to speak up and like i think nigel hayes some of, like the bigger athletes at our school like I think – I don't know who was there for football at the time, but I can't remember. I don't know if it was Corey. Chris, or, made, Chris It was or. Chris Or. Okay. Chris so some of them – like, we decided to have our av- avatars on Twitter go black. So basically, like, a blackout. Like, you know what they just did with the George Floyd, but they did it with, like, our, our Twitter avatars. So we did that. And finally, like, we had a bunch – we had signed petitions, you know, try to get the head – the chancellor of the school – um, to you know, address the issue and um, basically ban them forever. Like, and it, they were they were hesitant to do that, cause it's, it's almost as if money is more important than our lives too. You know, like I
2: always even happen. say, like even right now, like with universities addressing this George Floyd situation, they all want to hop on this Black uh, Tuesday and you know, be on this trendy Wally, but I feel like, do you actually care? Do you actually care about the lives of black people? Like, are you just doing it just because other universities are doing it? And that's a question that I really want to ask them. Like, and, and a lot of, and even now, if you think about it, with football teams now kind of getting started in training, people are coming back, you know, to train with this coronavirus, with just everything going on, and even just social justice in general, like the NBA teams are, are bringing back, like what? Like, and, and LeBron James, the big after now speaking out, like talking about like how they should not go back. They shouldn't. They should not be participating at all. I'm kind of ran off, but that's just. I think. Do they actually care, though? Or they uh, do they actually bring? Are they thinking about this money? Nothing just think you're thinking about money because money is the root of all evil, right?
3: That's a good point because too, like I know some people are saying like with the riots going on and stuff yeah. and the protests, a lot of people were just out there to be out there looting. You know, like. And some people are actually out there to, like, you know, send a message because you got to think again, like, to, like, the Black Wall Street. Like, they did the same thing to us. They went into our cities and tore up our stuff and our communities and our uh, Black-owned businesses. So, like, you know, like, it's it's almost as if, like, that never happened. They don't talk about that in history books, you know, like. You, I had to learn about that from my dad. Like he was like, did this happen to us? Like they rioted us, they looted us, and stuff, and actually killed us. Like you know, I'm not saying like we should go out there and do the same thing, but like you can't be mad that people are, you know, are infuriated and are just over it. You know, like you know, like what Tupac brought up. He said something like, we've been knocking at the door of the hotel rooms for so long. We see that you guys got food and all these resources in there, but. You don't want to share so now we about to go in there and take it like you know what i'm saying like so it's like at this, it's at this point you're gonna have people that are gonna be peaceful or you're gonna have people that aren't and it goes back to malcolm x okay. and martin luther king and at this point we can combine them because if if it takes this for people to listen that's that's insane there's some there's something is crazy there's
2: something yeah
3: something is wrong
2: and it shouldn't take them to And like i was bringing back earlier like with George Floyd they finally want to acknowledge us as, as, as individuals and not as animals right like why did it have to take now to do that and it's mm-hmm. 2020 right like um but I think obviously with the coronavirus people are don't have time much time to do much so they want to go out and and jump on the bandwagon right. but
3: right I yeah. don't I don't
2: that's just that's not okay and I, do you actually care are you just posting it to post or are you really actually do mm-hmm. something
3: Right. And I, like you So I think COVID had a lot to do with it too. Like, as far as people just going out, you know, <laughs> cause they probably like, we got a reason to get out the house now. Like, but are you doing it for the right reasons though? Like, I'm, I don't condone it, but I'm not against people rioting. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. if that's your way of like proving a point, then maybe you have to like, cause at the end of the day, they're, Even though they're in black-owned, they're not black-owned, but they're in black communities where the stuff was being destroyed, those are still white-owned businesses, like Walgreens and Target and all those billion-dollar companies that are being, you know, messed up and destroyed. But it's, like, at the same time, don't just be out there doing it just to do it. If you don't, if you really don't care, don't just be out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's still a way to bring awareness without rioting, too. But, like, you know, sometimes, hey... (laughs) <laughs> oh no! not <laughs> know. Yeah.
1: And along with that, I think I was pissed off with the comments about the rioting. Um, mm-hmm. When people are it or for it, I really don't care. But Same, yeah. people have the audacity to speak up and say something about the rioting and the businesses being destroyed, but didn't say one thing when a man died from a cop having his knee on his neck. That's think, yeah. Yeah. You can't be mad about situation B without being pissed off about situation A. <laughs> situation B never happens if situation A, a. does not happen. And so I, I called out a lot of people for that. A lot of people were like, seeing our community burned out. First of all, that's Minneapolis. You live in Oakdale, Minnesota. That's not your city. A lot <laughs> of those kids that I grew up with never even left Oakdale. You know what I mean? So yeah, talk about people having something to say, be pissed off about situation A and you can say what you want about situation B. But if mm-hmm. you didn't even fix your lips or use your platform that, you know, speak up about the injustice that happened to George Floyd, I really don't care what you have to say. In regards to the rioting um, am I against it? Not necessarily am I against people that just are it's doing blue. it for personal gain?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. I think yeah. that's, mm-hmm. it's kinda hard that's- to pick people out because you never it is. Um, yeah. I don't think, though that just like you know, I'm really indifferent about the rioting. You know, my thing is okay. They're rioting. I'm not gonna focus on that because all of that is just noise and a distraction. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna focus on George Floyd and uh, bringing him to justice. And then once that happens, we can focus on rebuilding our community. Um, you know, it, people that were out there and things like that. I feel like at that same token, they should be willing to go out there and uh, rebuild the community too, clean it up you know, repeat things, rebuild it, and things like that. But that's just not my main focus right now. Uh, build- buildings being burned and businesses, you know, it-, it sucks, and I pray for those that were affected, but that's not what I'm worried about right now. I'm worried mm-hmm. about that's just for George Floyd, and then afterwards, we'll donate, you know, we'll promote, we'll market to get those communities rebuilt. Uh, so that's just how I feel about it. Some people may be pissed off about it. I, I don't really care. It's my opinion, yeah. but um, that's my main focus right now. And then afterwards, we can, you know, donate to any cause you
2: guys
0: want to create if your business is affected. So, Susanna Tia, are we kind of trailed off before you had a chance to answer the question that I had asked Kayla: if you had any stories or personal experiences involving prejudice or racism, and if you're comfortable mm-hmm. sharing what were some of those moments uh, that really hit home as far as the obstacles that black women face?
1: I have one. I don't know if you could really tag it as racist, but probably just like inappropriate. So during the, the phase with Colin Kaepernick and he was kneeling and things like that, you know, that caused a lot of debate. And so some student athletes at Indiana on the football team were kneeling and our coach brought us in as a team And she started talking about it and, you know, she basically, to make a long story short, advised against us kneeling um, Mm. unless we were going to do it together. But it was one of those things like don't kneel unless we do it together because we want to make sure we're doing it as a team. But, you know, deep down inside we're not supposed to kneel because it's probably going to be repercussions. And that's how it was phrased. Another thing was that she mentioned, you know, we have to be mindful of our fan base. And it's like – What do you mean be mindful of our fan base? You know, half our team, you know, white Americans for the most part, half our team is minority. And we have to be worried about how other people feel when people that look like us are being affected greatly in in this community. And you're worried about a fan base for women's basketball at that, which I I realize you're trying to grow it, right? And you don't want to – Piss off the, the percentage of the fan base you, you had, but it's just like, we were all like the, the black Americans on that team. We were really pissed off because, um, first of all, you don't give us a choice. That's not your job to do that. Your job as a coach is to support um, exactly. It's to support regardless. It's, it's to support every player on your team From top to bottom, regardless of whether they look like, whether they're black, white, brown, purple, you know what I mean? You don't give us a choice that, well, if you're going to do this, we need to do it as a team. No, it it doesn't work like that. And especially it doesn't work like that when you're just trying to appease a fan base, possibly a percentage of the fan base that's racist and don't give a damn about us anyway, but we have to try to appease them for ticket sales and to look good on paper to say we got X amount of fans to our games, you know, and Mm – that, that's always stuck with me. Like when I talk to some of my teammates, you know, even to this day, we still talk about that because it was really just like bullshit. You know, it was so many different ways that you could have went about that. Maybe you could have grabbed, you know, the players that were affected by that the most, like the, the black players on our team. And you could have had a conversation with us, an open dialogue to see what we were actually thinking. Because what if none of us were planning on kneeling in the first place? You know what I mean? You just assume as we're black, and this is going on, that we were going to kneel. And you did that without even asking us how we felt about what was going on, telling mm. us what to do. Like, that was crazy. And you probably ask that coach to this day. Is she going to say that she was wrong? Probably not. Uh, but it just goes to show you, you know, we have a lot of coaches out here. And I'm not throwing dirt on that coach's name or anything like that. It's, it's a fact, though, that happened. So I'm not gonna sugarcoat and act like it did it did happen. And you right. ask on that team. Um, but at the same point in time, if you're gonna be a coach, a coach, a teacher, anyone, you have to be in support of all your players, of all your students. Otherwise, you don't need to be in that position.
3: And to piggyback off that. I think it, I forgot who brought it up. Susanna Tia, one of y'all brought it up. How just the discussion around racism is uncomfortable for people. So like, yeah, okay. you got to think like I'm not I'm not agreeing with what she said, but I'm just saying from her mindset, she don't want to answer questions about why are some of your players kneeling and do do you agree with them? And she don't want to answer them questions. That's yeah. let's keep it plain and simple. She doesn't want that media attention. She doesn't mm-hmm. want none of that to be involved with her name you know so like because at the end of the, the day, black day black
1: it isn't huh? that's the part that's messed up it, what'd you it's say i said it's at the expense of her black players though like it's okay yeah it's okay for us to see our black men and women being killed by cops and things like that but mm-hmm. as soon as it gets uncomfortable for you that's where you draw the line
3: right that's when you run yes. right Man. and it's like I'm pretty sure Indiana's where the KKK started, right, or something like that. They have the, the yeah,
1: outside of Bloomington. We cross, in order to get to Indiana to get mm-hmm. to the Indianapolis airport, and then to come into Indiana, you have to go through Martinsville.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right, and I'm like, they have a long history with the KKK. I'm like, it, there ain't no better place than to do it than there. Let's yeah. be honest, like you got Let's start right the University of Indiana, one of the biggest universities in Indiana, which is the biggest university, right? Yeah, like, let's start the discussion there. Let's keep, like, come on now. Like, that's the that's the main reason <sighs> she doesn't want to be put in that position. She doesn't want to be embarrassed. Right, because yeah. her true colors will probably show, like, <laughs> when some questions start coming out.
1: About the money part too, because she did mention, she literally mentioned the fan base. <laughs> like, you know, allude to it. She literally said, our fan base.
3: Y'all did have a lot of fans, too. Yeah.
1: I'm literally just like, so my life doesn't matter. How I feel don't matter. What I stand for does not matter as long as our fans feel comfortable mm-hmm. coming to our games. And they're not inconvenienced slightly at seeing some black women kneel for causes that they believe in. Yeah. I, I see where your head is at. And maybe, you know, she meant it a different way, but the execution was piss poor at best. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I will never forget. You know, neither will any of the other black players on my team. I don't know if some of the white players on my team remember that. Uh, I don't know how it made them feel, but I know how it made me and my black sisters feel
2: um, after that
1: conversation because we were really just kind of like perplexed. like it, it really was just like, it was no open dialogue or discussion whatsoever. It was her talking the whole time, basically telling us, you know, not to kneel. And if we are going to kneel, we should do it as a team. That was her way of kind of saying, well, if you do, even though she never yeah. really wanted to kneel in the
3: first place, right? And she also knew y'all wouldn't kneel as a team because you got okay. – the white, probably the white girls on the team didn't feel comfortable doing that. Didn't so, like, good. let's be honest. She knew that was the ultimatum. It's either y'all can't kneel y'all or if you do, you got to kneel as a team, and you know it's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> have yet. a coach that's with you kneeling, and there's still going to be girls on the team that won't do it.
1: And that's and that's fine, right? Like, because if that's their opinion and they right. don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, right. I really don't have to with that. But don't tell me what I'm going to so stand awesome, for. Yeah. When I'm not
3: exactly, listening. exactly.
1: That's all that I'm saying. Especially, you know, being black. You know, personally, I, I, me personally, I wasn't even going to kneel, mm-hmm. right. Did I put my hand over my heart? No, I stand there. I say my prayers like I do before every game.
3: Same. Right. But right. She's
1: like, now you just told me something, you know, you know what cause I stand for, because I was very vocal about it. You yeah. Know? And we should stand for that. But you're going to tell me as a white woman, mm-hmm. you, you, not even have open dialogue with us. That that would have been a start, mm-hmm. to have open dialogue with us, to hear what we had to say, to see how we felt about it, to see if kneeling was even on our Mind, and if it wasn't our
3: mind why was it on our mind and why did we think that that was important right and kind of to touch on what you brought up mike about another like story you have to tell i know my senior year me and two of my other teammates Marsha howard and melena johnson we would just walk out into the tunnel during the national anthem Mm -hmm. and then i think when it first started happening, people didn't really know what we were doing, but after, like, a few games, we would walk back in, and I know I vividly remember this because there's a fan that sat right behind the bench. He would yell out, you guys should be ashamed of yourselves, like, da 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 saying stuff like that. And I'm like, it's at a point where if you think it's about the flag and disrespecting the flag, you're just a blatant racist. You have an issue. You need help. Like, there's no way that us not... You know, standing there for the flag or being out there while they sing the national anthem. Because at the end of the day, we're not one America like Tia brought up. Yeah. We live in two different two different Americas. Being black and being white. Like let's just be honest. So like, for them to still think that it's about the flag, that's not fair. And it's like you it's said, it's fair. putting it's putting your um that America is great beliefs before Black Lives. Because America will never be great until. You can sit here and give us the justice we deserve and the resources we deserve and et cetera. Et cetera. so like that's one thing i vividly remember and i'm just like I, and you know me i really want to say something back to the man because i'm like are you serious like come on now but yeah i just remember that incident happening and i'm just like that's crazy no one can't be ignorant to the right, fact
2: right yeah. And I think being just a student athlete at Wisconsin, at PWI, walking on campus every day, you're going to be dealing with racism. Like, I remember instance I was riding my bike to a class one day, um, and this white kid was walking with his headphones, in. he's like, you black, B? And I'm like, whoa. did it throw me off, but it was just like, okay, you really going to say this to me right now? Wait, I just like, kept he riding. Just, he so just out, out of
3: nowhere? Did you, like, hit him on
2: accident? Yeah, yeah, I didn't know I was riding riding yeah and so it was just like what do you what for you to say that to me all right but it's, it's not i understand yeah because i see where you at i see what's going on like but it's just a blatant respect of just being it's a black woman obviously in the space of a pwi it's gonna be countless racism every day that you encounter um so that that was something that i was like whoa, what are you talking about <laughs> like but i think even i mean t you brought up a good point earlier like you know, have be listen to my feelings. It's not about. It's 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 more than it's more than your feelings. It's it being factual, and understanding the situation overall in our country right now, right? You know, and like head coaches, like being the, the willingness to say, "This is what's going on." I want to hear what's going on in your heart and what you're feeling right now. Um, and I feel like that's not enough. Conversations going on with coaches or just players in general, um, stepping stand front and, and saying stuff. But
3: my thing too is like i hate that this thought will always be in the back of my head is like are like you brought up suzanne like are they just are these teams and like you know college teams just saying stuff just to keep the black athletes you know happy and there why should that be that shouldn't be in the back of our heads we should really should feel be. like they're being genuine be and care right and i'm just like okay so if they don't say something then it's like well, they really don't care. And if they do say something, is like, dang, do they care? They're just saying that because they don't want to look bad, you know? Mm. So, like, that will always be something we have to juggle. And it's just – and it sucks because it's like we still want to play the sport that we love, but do we want to play for people that really don't care about us, yeah, us yeah. you know, or care for I mean, us? You know, even care
2: even. Them,
3: that the
1: current players that are on that team will be the, the ones that know, right?
3: Because, true, uh, true. A,
1: a person is going to show their, who they are every single day. And if they're heard about all people, that's going to show in the way that they act towards people, the way they act towards their players, and just people in general. So the only, the only way you could really know that answer is by talking to current players, because they may see the statements that people make, the blanket statements that people make about George Floyd and racial injustice, but only those players that are playing are going to really know whether yeah. that has some validity, validity to it. And whether that mm-hmm. coach cares about those types of issues, because it's going to show in their everyday lives the way that they carry themselves, the things that they have them doing. You know, we're student athletes. We did community service events, different types of things like that. Um, we do all types of stuff, and you can see, okay, what communities are we doing community service for? You know, right, um, right. Uh, what what do we decide that we want to give our time to, and things like that? So. Uh, those current players know, and they probably mm-hmm. look at those statements and be like, mm, this is bullshit. This is right. Yeah. I'm glad that they stood up and said something because this is actually the type of person that they are.
0: How do you think your role as athletes, I know, Kayla, you play professionally, and mm-hmm. even just listening to you in this conversation, it's almost a, a stark difference from when I covered you in high school when you were a little more uh, shy, I guess would be the best way to put it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're certainly not shy anymore, and Suzanne and Tia, I know I met you through basketball as well, but you, know, you certainly have a voice. How do you think your role as athletes at the high school, college level, how did that help you find your voice and help prepare you to become the advocates that you are when it comes to issues involving prejudice and racism?
3: Um, I think it's just more of a maturity aspect now. I think like just growing up, and, you know, you go through some stuff. Like, I know Suzanne and Tia can vouch for the ins- the situation I'm going through with my brother. Um, just, like, you, s- when you see it firsthand, it kind of changes you and just the, la- the lack of justice there is within, you know, the court system. Like, so, like, you see stuff like that firsthand. And then you see all the stuff that's going on with the police brutality. And then you kind of start thinking, like, this is an issue. Like, this isn't just stuff that you hear in the history books or that your parents tell you about, we deal with this stuff still to this day. in it's 2020. So like, I think just having a platform where you're like, we've been blessed to be put in this position as athletes or former athletes, or even the fields that we're going into now and just having a voice and having that kind of like, I wouldn't say fan base, but those people that follow you and, you know, have followed you since you were younger being an athlete, like being able to voice your opinion on like, different social media outlets whether that be twitter instagram or facebook you know so i think like just having the platform as an as a athlete and then now that you know i'm playing professionally and seeing that the george floyd protests went it went uh, across the world like i know i met some um some of my teammates in germany were protesting and they're black and you know like Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of black people either in germany too especially in the little city i was in so like just seeing that and it's like, dang, like you we really do have a voice and I think and I think that's what God put a, put us in these these positions for is to use it. And now that and it's sad that it took the George Floyd and um situation to happen for a lot of athletes to even speak up. Like there's athletes that don't even talk about racism that have talked about it, you know? And then um yeah, I would just say, like, just having this platform and just using it. Like, it's bigger than just basketball. Like, yeah, we played it. We loved it. But we still have a – we still need to, you know, use our voice and bring awareness to situations because we have the platform to do so. That's what I would say. One thing that I would
1: say is um as student-athletes, and I'm quite sure you guys have experienced this too, you know, we get there and a lot of the schools have, like, social media policies. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. where they want to deter you from talking about certain subjects um, Mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, I don't remember ours exactly, but I do know they want us to kind of refrain from, like, usually political stuff a lot of times. So I remember throughout college, I didn't really post much, you know, other than they want you to post things that make you and the team look in the most positive, Mm -hmm. like, possible even if that's not what's necessarily going on in the world right now. But as a student athlete, I I would say to kind of challenge some of those policies because in situations like this where you're talking about um, racial injustices for Black Americans and things like that, as a Black student athlete, you have that right to be able to speak up and talk about those things. And regardless of whether a coach or an athletic director or anyone has something to say about it, um, you, you shouldn't be judged for that. Uh, You Mm -hmm. should be able to, because that's your story, Um, that's a part of you, and you should be able to talk about it freely on any of your social medias and things like that. Um, I would say don't necessarily be afraid, so I know one thing, uh, kind of, it's not as much anymore, because you see so many transfers, but I remember just in college, Mm -hmm. it was almost looked down upon if you transferred, like, because coaches or at least the environment that we were in it made it seem like if you transfer the player was the problem was the
2: problem no mm-hmm.
1: yeah even though
2: it could have been it always be.
1: countless things going on mm-hmm. and so that, that's one big positive thing that I like to see now is that people transfer freely they realize that it's a business they're going to make the best decision for themselves and things like that so just realize just how much power you have as a student athlete you should be able to speak up as long as it's not inappropriate or disrespectful or anything like that. You should be able to speak up about issues, especially like this that are going on um, today. Mm-hmm. And you should, uh, you should speak up on it. Right. With the platform that you have. Uh, so that's one thing that I would say, I wish I could have did a little bit more of, I think internally, I bet def- my voice is definitely heard, uh, <laughs> but publicly, which probably matters the most. Right. So you can show people where you stand. Um, I couldn't right. be able to do that. And I think yeah. in today's climate is literally the perfect time to do that, to stand up, you know, for what you believe
3: in. I agree. You know,
2: yeah, I agree too, like even Kelly's just brought up about the athletes that are like, speaking out about issues, um, you know, going on within our country right now. But I think it's important, and even for me as a student athlete, I was a part of, of a group called Say So. Um, I was like a president of it, and it's called Student Athletes be supporting others. But while being a part of the group, I was able to really like use my voice and platform, but I wish I would use it even more, like creating more demands and, and pushing things forth um, for just student athletes in general, because it's bigger than us, you know? Um, and it's something that needs to be talked about. But athletes can use it now. You need use your platform, Instagram, Twitter, all that, um, because that that's the best way to use it, right? Uh, so yeah. Well,
0: and speaking okay. of platforms, the three of you have Engaged in platforms of sorts in response to what's going on. Kayla, I know you covered uh, one of the rallies with Mm -hmm. uh, Stephen Jackson, I think was there, Jamie Mm Foxx, I forget which outlet, but you went over there and got some video and shared it uh, for news dissemination. Suzanne, you are the host of the Beneath It All podcast and your most recent episode had Zay Sellers, another former athlete who I think was featured in the C- CBC, I think it was, one of the Canadian outlets. Yeah, CBC. CBC. And Tia, you are the founder of Rate My College Coaches, and you came on an earlier episode and talked about how you want to be a genesis or a spark or or someone who can create opportunities for the black community as an entrepreneur, as a commentator, as an analyst, and as a, a marketing and a business uh, guru as well uh, with se- several of your ventures and you all attended the protests at the memorial site as well. So I wanna get your thoughts on what you experienced either going to the protest as a protester or Kayla in your case, getting the chance to cover a press conference that featured the likes of Steven Jackson and Jamie Foxx and the Kimi Levy Pounds. I know for all of you, was surreal, but at the same time, I have to imagine there was a sense of power or an empowerment uh, by engaging in those activities.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, even though I was there on a, I can be biased. <laughs> Cause I'm obviously- You were on I'm, assignment, yes. Right, I was on assignment, but I did it for the ball out. Um, they cover every type of, you know, every, every type of media possible throughout the world, it don't matter what it is, not just about specific like basketball or anything, it's just everything. So I went there, um, I know again, like, cause you see like Jamie Foxx, you know, a, a huge celebrity within the black community, someone that a lot of people would love to meet, but it's like, at the same time, I can't, you, you shouldn't, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just sad that we had to see him there for that reason you know what I'm saying like we have all these celebrities that are you know big you know um and really good like roles for us and like um role models and stuff but like just hearing them being able to talk about this the injustice going on is it's always it's always nice to see them speak up you know um uh, Stephen Jackson that was like his brother George Floyd they looked alike and everything they just alike. I know they were just like but and it it's just sad that that's like the only way I got to really meet those people that mean a lot to us within our community you know in these type of you know unfortunate situations but I guess that's what, it's, that's what needs to be done, you know? So being able to be there, um, I think Royce White was there, Rashad Vaughn, Carl um, Anthony Towns, Tamika Mallory. Um, she's an activist, a black, a black activist for um, injustice. I think her brother or her boyfriend was killed by police, but she's a great speaker. Um, and then after that, we walked down to the little uh, rally that went on and they spoke again. Um, a lot of um, other people that are that are in prominent roles in the community um, came and talked to, which was nice. And then just being able to look around and you see, honestly, it was a diverse crowd. Like I was surprised too. I seen, I think I was standing next to a, an Asian lady and some white women were on the other side of me. And then you see a lot of, obviously you see a lot of black people, but it's like, just to see that, all of us come, coming together. That's what we need more of, you know, honestly. So it, it's always nice to see that.
1: That's definitely one thing I would say too, that I was excited to see with the protests, um, protests that I saw and then protests that I also were a part of. Um, I've never seen that uh, when it mm-hmm. came to black issues in our community. Uh, when the protests first started happening in Minnesota, right? You're on social media and you see all those things. And the first thing I noticed, I was like, wow, there's literally people of all types of different backgrounds that are out here protesting. And that right there showed me like, this is the start that we need. Um, this is good for us. You know what I mean? As you look towards the future. And I was quite surprised by it, but it, it definitely was refreshing to see. That was probably the biggest impact was that, um, it's not just a us thing anymore. It's a we thing and mm-hmm. we're coming together. And you know, a lot of people are pissed off about the things that have been going on. Um, and some people, you know, especially with the George Floyd situation, this was the first time that they decided to speak up. You know, they, they may have been feeling some type of way before, uh, but never really said anything. But I definitely think that this was the opportunity and people seize that opportunity uh, to finally speak up and stand for what they believe in. And so. That definitely was really cool
2: to see all of the diversity at these protests. Yeah, unification Girl. is important. I, I didn't get a chance to go to any protests but I mean seeing all my friends, just allyships and people around and just I think just white people just in general being there and support as counterparts um, it's needed and it's, it's happening and it's, it's a good thing that you know these protests are going around right now because this is a change, it's time now, right? Especially as a youth, I think it's important for us to really, um, really stand forth and really bring up the change because it starts with us. And just seeing everybody, at, even at the George Floyd Memorial, when I had went, um, just seeing people there being just showing his respect um, was impactful. Um, but it's something that had to come down that way. I had to he had to be killed for us to really, you know, show him support. He could have been alive and valued. Um, you know, but these demonstrations, these protest, it's good to see people come together finally.
3: I just think that it's crazy that it happened in Minneapolis. But I mean, Girl. I shouldn't be surprised yeah. though, you know, Girl. cause it can happen anywhere. But it's like, cause it, it hits too close to home. You know, like what, like that, where it happened is probably not even 20 minutes from my house. I grew up
2: right, know? yeah, right. I, I grew up right near Cup Foods. Right, like my, five minutes away from them. Yeah, yeah so my like, fam.
3: Yeah, my mom's side grew up over there. Went to school over there. Like, yeah. went probably went to that Cup Foods. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And then, oh, also the day of this is crazy. Um, Tia, Kenesha had her little birthday thing, little get together. The day of the George Floyd incident that happened, she lives literally around the corner off Chicago. I think Chicago Avenue. She lives literally right around the corner. So then, like a few hours later I was with Janae and we saw like these ambulances like outside of this um outside of the gas station but I guess that wasn't it had nothing to do with the George Floyd because that happened later in the day I think it was almost Mm -hmm. closer to nighttime because you can tell in the videos about the beat the sun was going down but I'm like that's scary bro like Mm -hmm. that could have been us that could have been one of Kenesha's brothers like because they live right by there (laughs) huh mm -hmm.
1: I said like Romel or somebody going to the store real quick you know like that's literally
3: all that it was. I'm talking about it was a hop and a skip from Kanisha. Like, that's crazy. That is so crazy. And then, this is really off topic, but the Uptown shootings that just happened. It just happened. All the shootings. I was over there the day of. And then that night is when the shootings just randomly, the dude just randomly started shooting. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but this is crazy. Like... Mm -hmm. This is a lot. And then on top of that, we gotta deal with COVID. People didn't oh, forget about that. COVID, like. That's what I'm like, what? Can right. you forget about that, like? But yeah. But yeah, I just thank God that I wasn't, you know, in that situation, but it's just crazy that I was over by it, but.
0: How do you process all of these events uh, in terms of trauma internally, externally, because Kayla, what you brought up and there has been a, an increase in shootings since his death and they attribute that to the pandemic, a lot of unrest and the fact that people saw another black man and that can drive some people over the edge, unfortunately, with violent consequences. Uh, how do you process it where to the point where the three of you are certainly making your voices heard and standing up, speaking out, but also to ensure that you three don't become overwhelmed yourselves and end up engaging in a potentially destructive decision if you know where I'm going.
3: Yeah, um, just the connection of people just being, you know, bored in a sense because of the COVID, being stuck in the house and then going out and acting crazy or relating it to, you know the 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 situations that are going on with George Floyd. I I don't condone that at all. I don't think that that's an excuse. I think that that's that's just it's that's crazy for people to just be out here acting a fool like that because at the end of the day, you, they're there are black people that are being shot. You know, like. So it's like, if they don't, if it's not another thing, if it's not one thing, it's another. So it's like, I don't believe in black on black crime because you don't hear them talk about white on white crime because that's a thing too. So like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say that. I just think that stuff happens because people don't just go out and kill somebody. Black people don't just go out and kill other black people because they're black. So that's one thing that I feel about that. But I'm just saying, I don't think that that's a reason for people <laughs> to be, you know, acting stupid. Let's call it what it is, like... There's just some people that are just stupid. So <laughs> that's what that is. So,
1: Regardless of what background you come from, whether you're white, brown, black, purple, right? You all have different people, but like, hey, yeah, like, lack on black crime is not a real thing.
3: Thank you. Oh, right. At least somebody agrees that's not a thing. Right. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> Whoever's watching, like, especially if you're black, please stop using that term. Um, yeah, please. Term that was created as a distraction. Uh, Definitely the right way to say is like most crimes that are committed by same ethnicity, um, counterparts, they're usually major. So like, for instance, crimes committed against whites, by whites are the majority, you know, I think it was like 62% crimes committed by blacks, uh, committed on blacks by blacks, you know, the majority. It's really more so just like crimes of pro- piquity, I think is the word, meaning, you know, yeah. crimes are usually going to happen to those you are closer to, like who the communities that you live in um, and things like that. So I don't know who came up with that term. Um, I really wish, though, people would stop throwing it around so loosely because there's no such thing, right? We don't hear about, I think the only race that didn't have like the majority of crimes committed by their same ethnicity was Asians, Asian-Americans, Uh other than that, Mexicans, blacks and
3: whites, they both were in, so and the reason I feel like too the reason why they wanna have a name for ours is because you don't hear a lot about white people killing each other. Each other. Than you do like <laughs> black people. They be oh, well in Minneapolis or Chicago, there were about 62 deaths and 62 shootings, but they won't say, like, you just assume that it's black people killing each other. No, a lot of that stuff was other things, too. If you want to go back and let's do some research, like, it wasn't just black people killing black people, it was probably white person killing a black person or black, per- you know, vice versa, whatever. But right. I'm just like, let's not, the media is the devil, too, to be honest. Like, of course, they
2: try to spin stories. <laughs> they as well. will spin
3: stories, like, <laughs> as far as the rioting and stuff, did you know it was a lot of white people that were starting that like yeah. the looting and, you know, setting stuff on fire. Like, but you think that, Oh, they got these black folk out here acting No, no, that's and not look at true. The businesses like, they,
0: sorry to jump, but look at the businesses they targeted. I mean, right. They were trying to go after places where a majority of minorities, mm-hmm. blacks, uh, Asians, what mm-hmm. have you go to grocery stores, post offices. There was a, uh, a plan, I guess. And right, I saw some of the booking photos and stories from the agitators from these riots. And it's like, there they weren't there to cause of mayhem. They were trying to destabilize those communities. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to add to your point, Caleb. but continue. I didn't mean to interrupt.
3: Oh, no. Um, just kind of, you brought that up too. Uh, I think there's a video out of this white lady. She was coming out of a store and she had a bunch of bags. Did y'all see that? And the, the media lady oh, was yes. like, well, maybe she just works there and she's just taking her her <laughs> her stuff out of the so it doesn't get stolen i'm like this she's still a black person yeah, karen is stealing, stealing. <laughs> karen is stealing come on <laughs> like let's be honest. it's so crazy and i'm just like that's insane like that's what that's the other thought that's the thought process of a lot of white people is like oh because it's a white person they're not doing anything illegal and she's literally on camera, taking stuff, and she looks suspicious as hell. Like, come on, no! Like, right.
2: they they mm. say they say we're looting, you know, and white people are, you know, right. walking out the store oh, like they bossed her She worked there, late. yeah. So I'm but, like, really? Yeah. really?
3: You think she worked there? You should have seen the way she she was walking out. Like, eh. <laughs> I'm like, you was on camera. <laughs> you caught. <I'm> <laughs> but yeah, Mm-mm. that's just funny to me.
0: Very true, though, with the language and the context uh, that we see, and you speak of media. And I know, Kayla, you have uh, done some media work in sports and the ball out with those protests. And Tia, you're trying to change that narrative. And Suzanne, all three of you actually have participated in media activities. And I don't know if you're consciously thinking, let's uh, change the narrative, but you're right. You think of all these incidents and I mean, this could be a whole nother topic in itself, and uh, I mean, I've thought that way too, uh, and I've had to check myself, which is like, okay, try to understand as much as you can that, uh, pardon my French, but anybody can do shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not just a specific segment of people, but films like 13th or uh, some others that I've seen illustrate how we can project these stereotypes, these areas of conventional wisdom that perpetuate the stigma against Blacks, against Asians, Mm -hmm. Hispanics, et cetera, et cetera. And what you were saying earlier, Kayla, about the woman who was taking all that stuff at a store, I've said this before, and this is one reason I did this series, I know I'd have to do something really, really blatant to get your attention. The three of you don't necessarily have that shield. Mm Mm-hmm. So sorry to rant, but I was feeling all sorts of emotions and just confusion with what the three of you were saying. Caleb and the rest of you, feel free to add your thoughts as well. You mentioned the, the balance or the feeling or the mood between Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. For the three of you, They can be famous figures. They can be within your family. uh, So don't feel like there's a limit. Who were the idols? Who are the people you looked up to who you feel have helped you understand issues involving race?
2: I would say a big person is Angela Davis. Um, She's someone that has constantly awoken me in terms of like this terminology, just being a black woman. Um, So I would say she's a big, big person that has influenced me a lot, Uh, yeah.
3: Uh, I would say I would say Malcolm X because he did a lot of like putting the blame like not so much on just white people on us too because we allow there's a lot of stuff that you can allow to happen you know like you can go out and try to like own your own business instead of working for the white man so he'll be like let's Mm -hmm. start within ourselves before we go out and you know try to change people that don't want to change. You know what I'm saying? Like, we could change ourselves to make to be able to support each other and have our own communities and build our own America. You know what I'm saying? And that, that thought process is kind of similar to my dad, where, like, there's not a lot of hate within their hearts, even though they've experienced a lot of stuff, you know, that can make you want to hate white people or anybody that's done anything wrong to you. But, like, just kind of hearing them and even, like, Martin Luther King, like, I think those are probably the biggest three people that have kind of changed my, or helped shape my outlook and perspective on racism. So.
1: I would say there's really, I can't pinpoint anyone in particular, but nowadays just a different activists that I follow like Mm -hmm. throughout the community. And Mm -hmm. a lot of these people aren't like famous people or anything like that, um, because you have different activists uh, depending on what community that you're in but just seeing kind of like the work that they do and the problems that they kind of bring to the forefront that you really have to kind of go and search for to to Mm -hmm. see what's going on. Um, I'm very appreciative of that work uh, because where would I have gotten it? Where would I have gotten that information um, if it wasn't for them? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just hearing their stories and things like that, um, in the in the history that they give behind a lot of things um, I think is what's shaping because right I don't think that my um, I don't think that my thoughts are fully shaped yet they're they're always mm-hmm. changing and things like that as you learn different things and uh, I'd be ignorant to say that I know everything because I don't but I um, mm-hmm. every day I learn something new and it just kind of adds to the way that I feel or think about certain things so
3: mm-hmm. right and we're still getting older. Like, we're only way. I'm about to be 24 on Sunday. Like, <laughs> we got a lot of life to live. And we this ain't going to be the last of what we see. So, like. No, we're still growing And that that's life. unfortunate. We still yeah. got a lot of growing to do. Yeah. A lot. The world no,
2: I mean, does. Yeah, we, we have so much to see. And this is not just the end all. Uh, there's so many experiences and events that's going to happen for us to still be awoken and conscious of just – the world that we live in is just black individuals with black women specifically, you know, but yeah, definitely Malcolm X too. I would say he's a big, big person for me too, um, as well. And Martin Luther King, you know, violence, non-violence, but it's important just to be, that's why I would encourage everyone to get on here just to who's listening to this to read up and listen to videos and, and chat with people around you to really see kind of how they're being impacted by this um, and everything going on, you know?
0: And on a related point, this is something you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation. How would you say the people close to you, the people, whether they're a significant other or family member, you all talked about how what happened to George Floyd could happen to you or any of them. Mm -hmm. How would you say whether it's boyfriends, girlfriends, sisters, parents, brothers, how do they help drive you to bring change to this discussion so that we don't have to see these names or add another hashtag to a list that's already too long?
1: Just by having open dialogue, really, like making sure that we're continually having these conversations, um, talking about it and things like that, uh, keeping the conversation alive and just, you know, maybe white Americans or other people don't have to have these conversations, but. At a very young age, especially black men, they have certain parents have certain conversations with their sons um, that probably no other uh, son in America has to have, and that's when dealing with police and how you Mm -hmm. need to handle yourself in public. Um, Even though they're just kids, they're still held to a certain standard because they don't want to get in trouble. Um, So, and it's sad that it has to be like that, but those conversations are really important.
3: yeah to piggyback off that just like she said the open dialogue I think I was watching probably BET but there was a commercial I think it was a car commercial or it was for insurance one of those Mm -hmm. uh basically there's um younger like uh black men and women about to drive like they're probably teenagers and they're in the car and their parents are with them they're like Let's have this talk. And they're like, what talk, mom? I'm like, I- I'm going to be okay. I can drive well. Like, I'm good. Like, they're like, not that talk. The talk is if you get pulled over and what to do, you know? And I'm like, we need more commercials like that. And it shouldn't just be on BET or TVs where the majority of the ratings are are black people, you know, like MTV, VH1, all those. Like, We need those to be on the national cable channels, Channel 4, News, those type of commercials. Like, let's get the discussion going. And another way to do that is because a lot of people watch TV, let's be honest, or on social media, a lot of that stuff needs to be out there, too. It can't just be within our own homes that we're having these talks, you know. Let's put it out there for people to see why we got to have these talks, you know.
0: And another point. It's been a recurring theme in this panel series, but I wanted to get your uh, perspective on this. You spoke of all these moments in Black history, some positive, some um, not so pleasant, that we didn't know about or we didn't learn in school. I've mentioned this before, the Tulsa Massacre, the Duluth lynchings, and I was surprised at the amount of material I was familiar with in 13th, but they explored it in a level of detail that I don't remember hearing about. Were there any moments that illustrate this complicated journey of Black history that surprised you when you first heard about it, things that maybe you didn't experience or learn in school, but when you researched it, uh, it left a mark on you?
1: Black Wall Street. (laughs) And I'm still. I was just about to say that. Oh my
0: god. Yeah, that one. It's just
1: like we can never have nothing good <laughs> without someone exactly. trying, or ruining it. You know, um, they like people like to make comments like, "Well, these people, they're poor and things like that." But it's like when we had communities to help build wealth and things like that um, for Black Americans, they were ruined mm-hmm. by white Americans for whatever reason and it's like you know you see that happen still often right they'll get a lot of pushback um as they they move up like sometimes honestly a lot of black americans have to almost sell their souls to make it to the top and, and i say that like figuratively speaking figuratively, um, yeah. huge fan of jay-z uh and beyonce and i like the things that they're doing but then, you know, you look at the partnership with the NFL that he did, and it's just kind of yeah. like, okay, I get what you're trying to do. But at that time, the NFL was still like anti colin Kaepernick, anti kneeling anti-standing up for what's right. You know what right. I mean? It's so kind of like mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I didn't really respect that decision, you know. Um, but in order to make it to the top, those are the types of things that you kind of – you know, you kind of – looks like the NFL has kind of changed their course with the way that they uh, react to certain things. So that's
0: good, but we'll see a, how
1: that goes.
0: Yeah. There was a right. report yesterday that they were going to include for week one, the lift every voice and sing song. And you know, we'll see what.
3: How about they stop doing the national anthem? anthem how about that? that's,
0: that's, an, that's another talking point. And it's, Uh, it is a stark contrast from just a few years ago or even before all of this happened, but it does make you wonder, are you doing it for PR? And this is something that I'm keeping an eye on. Are you doing this for PR or is there something more behind it? Like, are you truly looking to uh, make an impact here?
3: Right. And it, and it sucks that we have to even question that you should want, to see the good out of people. You know, like why why is it so hard for us to have to what, not for us to have to, but why is it so hard for us to have equality? Like why why is that such a big deal? It, it never has made sense to me even back when back in the olden days like back in slavery times and stuff like that. It's like it's what is so like bad about black people that you like what do you guys hate about us so much to make to allow this stuff to continue to happen or to have happened. It, it just doesn't make sense to me.
0: We have spoken about the challenges, the obstacles, the struggles you all have faced. I want to know what do the three of you, what do you admire most about being a black woman? We resilient
2: and we strong, <laughs> you know, that's definitely what I admire about the black woman. We always stand fast in who we are. Uh, especially in spaces that we walk in, just being confident, and being who we are, um, and we have to be that way. Mm-hmm. We have to be, especially um, you know, in jobs, schools, um, having conversations. We gotta be confident and gotta be resilient, and I love that about us. Right
1: along with what she said, you know, I look at people like my own mom who's had so many obstacles you know throughout her life yeah you know being a single mom raising five Mm -hmm. kids and then also kids that weren't even hers you know what I mean like you see that and it's just like real life superwoman and as I get older Mm. and you know I do want to have kids someday but I'm just sitting there thinking you know I go to work uh come home I work out I do my daily routine and I just look back like how in the hell did she get me to practice two, three times a week, all the way over right. at both minutes from Oakdale? You know, like, and I told you this last time, like, like, I'm selfish right now. Like, I don't want to spend my time doing that, you know, mm-hmm. at least right now at this moment in time. And for her to do that as a single mom, not only for me, but for my little brother and then my sisters and brothers that came before me, it was yeah. kind of like crazy to me, you know what I'm saying? Going back to the resilient, um, aspect that Suzanne was talking about like the melanin in our skin like mm. you know, like we're the really like the only race not sorry not the only race but our race we have so many different shades to us and like black skin is really just like beautiful you know what I'm saying we can tan a little bit get a little bit darker get a nice <laughs> kiss, I'm tan right now dark, kiss, dark chocolate like we come in so many different shades um it, And, you know, just the confidence aspect, right? You will know when a black woman is in the room. Um, And so I think that's very important. We need to keep that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like how we're independent. And, you know, just we try to figure things out on our own. Um, Some people may not think that's a good thing, but I would rather be able to do something on my own before I rely on anyone or any man or anything to figure it out for me.
2: Right. And, I would even pick picky point mm-hmm. off that too. Like, my mom, she we got she had five kids and raised us very very well. So proud of her for that too. Like, resilient that resilient piece because my mom's from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, so she came all the way from Minnesota, and for her to stand strong as a black woman here, I would say that's that's empowering. That's being resilient, you know, independent.
3: Yeah, I agree with you guys. The resilient aspect and just you know just dealing with adversity and being able to push through um like my mom she had her first kid when she was younger um, she still made it through dental hygiene school she became a dental hygienist had met my dad had me and my brother like she's always been i think too it just it stems from her mom and my and my uh her grandma her great-grandmother like all of that is just that quality is just embedded in us i feel like that independent thing and just going to get it and then also taking care of your kids and if there's you know married taking care of their man and, and stuff like that in a point where he feels protected like he might be the breadwinner but at the end of the day like that I think the black woman is always the one that kind of makes the house a home so like yeah. I think that we're just very special people and like Tia mm-hmm. said there's all different shades of us as you can see Um. White skin, but I'm black like both of my parents yeah. are black so like is we have all these different types of colors to us and it's just it's beautiful so
2: beautiful yeah. black women
0: I won't argue against that <laughs> uh, it, because if it wasn't for basketball I wouldn't have met the three of you and even just these conversations just tells me how passionate you are about this mm-hmm. issue and so I'm glad you're here to share your thoughts and then Tia, to follow up on your point, I presume your boyfriend is okay uh, with that. You like to figure things out on your own. He's okay with your strategy.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm <with> <laughs> And he's still with you anyway. But no, <laughs> um, actually the two of them have known each other for years. So it, My I...
3: favorite couple. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm guessing if he wasn't okay with it back then, you two still wouldn't be together now.
1: Probably not. I mean, you know, I joke around or whatever, but I think that's one thing that he, he does like about me. And I, I think that, you know, when I have my future son and the things like that, I would want him to be with someone that, you know, is independent in their own sense. Like, obviously, they're going to need you for certain things, but I want him to find a nice young woman that has a good head on her shoulders, that's mm-hmm. resilient, you know, that knows how mm-hmm. to take care of business if you're not able to do so. Um I just feel like that's a good trait to have for any woman, you know, in general. Uh, So that's just my take on it. You know what I'm saying? That's not to say that together we aren't better, but it's all—it's just saying that. Okay, if I was in a situation where it was just me and I was all alone, you'll be good. I -hmm. I would be okay even when.
3: And it's okay to be like that because I know there are a lot of um, people that are that think of think like. In the olden days, like mm-hmm. you know, like um, as a the part of like the the man is supposed to be the protector and the breadwinner and all that, and the woman's supposed to stay at home, take care of the kids, and do basically be submissive to her man. And it's like, no yeah. yeah. things are changing. Like it's okay to be independent. And that's what I I believe, and I'm a firm believer on that because like I I hate asking people for stuff. To be honest, mm-hmm. like I want to be able to be like, oh, okay, I got this. Like I can take care, I can go get my cars, my car um, fixed, or I can go do this and do that. Like, I don't wanna have to ask people for help. You know, it's just how I am. And I think that's how a lot of black women think too, is like, they wanna be able to go and get it, you know? You, know, you, gotta, you gotta most be both of kidding. us, most of us. <laughs> there's a reason for that. Uh,
1: and this is like a whole nother conversation, but yeah. whenever you guys get a chance, I want you guys to read the, Will, the Willie Lynch papers. Mm-hmm. I can send it to you guys. But the reason why it's like that is because it dates all the way back to slave times. You know, they, it was this one guy, I think his name was William Lynch. He would go around teaching people how to make a slave. Um, and so when it, you'll read those papers. It's like mm-hmm. a three, four-page like, essay. And you'll realize like some of the things that crippled the black community today. Um, and you'll just be like, like, dang, like it's really crazy that they've been able to keep some of these issues going on within the Black community. Now, I'm not saying independent Black mm-hmm. women is an issue, but the reason why we're so independent like that is stem from slave time, because they would break down our men, you know, so that they couldn't be the protector, you know, make them mentally weak, physically mm-hmm. strong, mentally weak. So mm-hmm. if you have that, and that's supposed to be your protector, and you see that, what's your only choice other than you have to get it together for your kids and things like that? So, I mean, I can send you guys those papers, but you'll read it and you'll be like,
3: dang, like. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. That makes a lot of sense because it has to stem from something, like, you know, like. So, you know, it's crazy. This has been a great discussion. Yeah. We've been going for like
0: two hours. (laughs) Well, and I know the three of you uh, do have lives, so we will be Mm -hmm. wrapping up here soon. Um, But. Suzanne, you actually jumped the gun on this uh, way back when. I almost thought you were going to take over as host of this panel, and I would have been fine with it. I could have made lunch. uh, I tease. But (laughs) I bring it up because you asked what we can do to fix the situation. That's normally how I close these discussions. But you already addressed that, and the three of you all gave real insightful tips and suggestions on how to address these systemic issues. So I'm going to change up this line of questioning a bit because you know tia you have the rate my college coaches platform you run a blog that talks about sports suzanne you've got your podcast and kayla i know you're looking to return to the professional ranks when it's safe but i'm you know, just everywhere yeah. <laughs> you, you are everywhere that's probably why i can't get a hold of you all too often because you're everywhere <laughs> and you probably have throngs of people asking for your autograph uh, folks who remember you from that state tournament run and <laughs> Those 1,000 points I wish. Uh, you're probably such a big celebrity. Uh, it's amazing you found time for us.
3: <laughs> Funny. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you have some experience as a reporter, both in the sports world and in current events with your freelance work for The Ball Out, covering mm-hmm. the rallies and the protests. So how do the three of you see yourselves using your platforms How do you think that will help you evolve and grow as citizens, as advocates, and what would you like to see, what would you see yourselves doing to continue spreading this conversation and informing others about issues that you've dealt with for years, but folks like myself maybe hadn't thought about until now?
2: That's a really good question. I want to try to just empower the youth even more, just have a conversation with my my nephews and nieces, but just also college athletes right now, um, making sure that they continue to rise up, and whether it's pushing for administration to create demands um, and things like that, but also just my family members, um, giving them advice in terms of like reading different books um, and aspects, just having different conversations and dialogues, but also my podcast. I want to continue to promote that in terms of pushing for, for justice and um, having conversations on that as well. So I'm continuing to do that. Which I to do with Kayla as well. Um, but I just continue to push for that. Um, continue to have different co- conversations that we all continue to learn, right? Every day.
0: Right.
2: Knowledge is power. Definitely. Knowledge is so powerful.
0: I just hope well, I, I can- didn't spoil yeah. it. I just hope I didn't spoil it for you two when you two come on because we've talked for so long. What were we going to say, Kayla?
3: Oh, just, yeah, like what Suzanne said, continuing to get the youth, empower the youth. And for me, like, I think my focus would be more on just young – I don't even know, maybe, like, young – more so young black athletes and allowing them to, like – not allowing them, but encouraging them to speak up during these times, especially, like, not just when it's, uh, you know, valuable to – the people that they're playing Mm -hmm. for or whatever, like not being afraid to like stand up for yourself because at the end of the day, like I said before, it's not, it's, we're more than just an athlete. Like we're not stupid. We shouldn't just shut up and dribble, but a lot other people can have an opinion, but we can't. So like when it pertains to us too, and that's the crazy thing. Like, so I just think that just encouraging us to not be afraid to speak up. And so what if the repercussions of us, of them, not allowing us to play, Good luck. So be it. Like, so be it. You're not going to win too many games now. So, let's – we can do do that too. But I'm like, I I don't think that they're that stupid where they'll, like, bench players for speaking up. But I don't know. They did it to Colin Kaepernick. They blackballed him. So, you can't play nothing against. Yeah.
1: Um, I think with just, like, my platform, you know, with my college coaches, uh, really that's going to be kind of like a standalone where – players are going to be able to go and, you know, give honest, give their honest experience and things like that. But where I think I would be able to affect the most change is with the blog portion with unfinished business. Um, You know, I have a group of interns and it's actually kind of funny because, you know, when I'm looking at their resumes and things like that, I really don't know what type of background they have. I don't know if they're white, black, brown, Mm -hmm. or anything like that, but I've been blessed to really have a, you know, a diverse Group of interns, and it shows in the content that we cover. Um, that's one place that you can affect change. You know, by having a diverse group of people, you're going to have a set of people that want to cover certain topics that, if you don't have a diverse set of people, they may not want to cover or may not even think to cover. Uh, so, but mm. so you go on the site and you'll see some of our pieces. It's about all different types of things, which I think is very important. Um, and then, obviously, when we start our podcast, which should be coming pretty soon you know I tell them all the time like we don't follow any industry rules we're going to talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about no one's going to sit there and tell you you can't talk about this because we want to push this type of agenda or anything Mm -hmm. um that that's how I think we can affect change with my unfinished business platform is just having open dialogue open discussion um talking about things that some people may not want to talk about Or, you know, and and we do it genuinely, right? Because a lot of these platforms really are just going to cover things because that's the hot topic right now. They feel like they should. But, you know, employing a a group of people that actually care about the things that they're talking
0: about.
1: um, I think that's really important.
0: And then just quickly, it's something I wanted to include before we wrap this up. Kayla, you brought it up, and I think we've discussed this throughout this conversation, athletes speaking up and risking their branding, you know, their opportunities, as with Colin Kaepernick, but more recently, you probably are familiar with Chrissy Carr and what she's been doing oh at my K-State, God, yeah. and how now K-State, there are several athletes who have said they will not play until a student who apparently posted some racially insensitive content will. Until he faces discipline, they've said, we're not going to play. And then somebody sent Chrissy a doctored image of her in a noose. I know. Which it just further reinforced why she's doing it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, because Chrissy, of course, grew up here before moving to Kansas. Uh, a lot Still has a lot of ties up here. I think even uh, paid a visit to the memorial site. But to mm-hmm. see one of your peers be a leader the way the three of you have, maybe you don't get the publicity Mm -hmm. she is, but Mm -hmm. what you reminded me, Kayla, that opportunity risk, that's something Chrissy Carr is facing right now. What would you say to her and other student athletes that are taking a stand and saying this is enough?
3: Yeah, I I talked to her here and there and I know I have reposted something that she posted and I literally just told her, I said, girl, keep using your platform and we support you because it has to start somewhere, and you know, like, her taking the stance has, um, she's been the leader of other black athletes at that school following suit with that, so, like, if it, I, I'm just, like, I'm so happy for her, with her, and I'm, like, inspired by her bravery, because, to be honest, if I was her age, and I was at Wisconsin, I don't think I would have went as far as she went, but I would have I would have been one of the followers, like someone would have had to been her and I would have been I would have backed that up, you know, but she I feel like she's the one that has started it at that school, mm. which is really good. So I'm like, I'm, I'm like more power to you, girl, like even with the whole noose thing that broke my heart. And I know like that's scary and stuff. But like, mm. so many people have seen all these threats, or have heard all these threats, like I, I don't know if you guys heard about the police um, being caught on. Um, being caught recorded talking about how they're gonna, they want another civil war to happen. They're gonna kill all these, and they said the word niggers and all that. And um, then I think Sean King, he's an activist for the black community. He's been sent death threats by police too. And I'm just like, so if y'all don't think racism is real, like, it has to be that now. It's like this is, It's clear evidence, it's, it's clear in broad evidence, daylight. Like. It's like, it's like in front of your face and y'all doing all of this to avoid yeah, looking straight ahead. It's not in your peripheral, it's right in front of you. So it's like, we're fighting for something, obviously. We're not just doing this to be, to, do to waste our breath for our health. All so, too, right, student
1: athletes, and this is something mm-hmm. that we probably didn't realize is that you're really in the driver's seat. So when you do things like that, mm-hmm. looking at what you necessarily have to lose the one thing that you have to lose is your scholarship. Mm-hmm. But, let's, but I wanna lose let's, it. let's call them on their bluff and see if they're actually going to do that because exactly racial injustice and things like that and that school decides to pull your scholarship who is that going to hurt more you or mm-hmm. them? Right. You know it would be really bold for them to do that but I can't mm-hmm. see them doing that so that, that's why I respect what she's doing even more you know because they're probably going to have more to lose than she is. She can get another scholarship. You know, mm-hmm. if you have the talent. You'll find another school where, you know, they will respect what you did and they're going to support you. Mm-hmm. whatever. But call them on their bluff and see what they're really about. I doubt that they're going to take our scholarship. If they do, they're going to receive a ton of backlash. And, right. it, it, you know, it's probably best for them to just – She, I think she's still going to keep her scholarship while standing up for what she believes in, even if she doesn't yeah. play a new game. And that, that may be mm-hmm. a sacrifice that she decides yeah. to make or she transfers, right? Um, right. She'll, she'll find another school pretty easily or whatever. So I think it's amazing what she's doing. Um, I think student-athletes should definitely look at what you want to lose. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And even if it does mean you lose your scholarship, right? Colin Kaepernick, he pretty much lost everything. But you know, if you—I don't know if, whether you believe in God or not—he lost everything and gained that back and more with mm-hmm. endorsement with Nike. With Nike, mm-hmm. you no, know, and, and that's because he stayed true to what he believed in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the universe is going to to pander to people that uh, pander to people that do good things. So stand mm-hmm. up for what you believe. You know what I'm saying? It, it may seem like the end of the world if something was to end, but just right. realize that. The next things that are
3: coming are going to be even greater right right. like you, you said it might mean. take a while but eventually you it's going to pan out like you
2: said as we see i think even just now like we've been fighting for for a while and like for so long and you know, obviously we still got a lot to go we still got a ton but if we're, we're making that progress right now with fighting for equality doing these protests and, and as christy Carr is doing Doing her and like being and standing up for what is right, what's morally right, like that's gonna get her in the long run. That's gonna lead her to even more justice, I feel like, you know. But yeah. Go, Chrissy. Go for real. Go to her. <laughs> Let
3: me stop. <laughs> even more,
2: no, even more, like more athletes can just stand up to, to do it, um, to really sit down. If they need to sit down and if that's just that's the right thing to do, you know, and it's like you said to you. If she get her, her, her scholarship taken away, so be it. But she knows what's right, you know, and what's the best thing to do for herself um, and for her, our people, you know. Yeah.
0: And if my memory is correct, uh, Chrissy Carr's head coach has expressed his support for what she's doing. So I don't see a scholarship being removed. But as you said, Tia, you hit it on the head there'd be a bigger backlash if they were to take it away. And so I don't think it would go that far because of the PR nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and we've already seen that with Barstool Sports trying to do this uh, podcast by turning the N-word into an acronym that have folks wondering, what are you doing? Uh,
1: yeah, that stuff like that really pisses me off because people that have no business – even you know using that, that type of word try to make a joke out of certain things like i understand barstool is all about you know kind of like the meme uh culture that we have going on right now but it's certain things that you do not touch um especially uh being white americans and that's not funny at all uh they really should have been canceled a long time ago but
2: shit like that they
3: say sense. a lot of racist they say a like
2: lot that. of racist that they, they- and all lot. like
3: the frat boys at Wisconsin, <laughs> they used to love them some Barstool. They'd be on it. You see what happened on Barstool? No, no, no. <laughs> but also, I think isn't um Chris Carr isn't he on the staff at Kansas? Yes, assistant coach. It's so it's probably. Coach. I hope that's it's not okay. a reason why, but you know that probably has a lot to do with why Cheek is allowed to do this too. Mm. Like, if you probably if you want to be honest, but.
0: Well, it certainly helps, and I know we've talked helps, about yeah. we've talked about privilege in prior uh, podcasts. And however you have it, it's like, hey, give props uh, for her using it and taking that opportunity to highlight uh, an issue that needs to be addressed. So yes, maybe she does have that luxury that others don't, but that isn't stopping her from speaking her mind. I yep. well
1: do anything so I'm glad That you know that she is speaking up Um and I Encourage others to do so Uh you know I Really you know, like really want to Amplify these voices That are speaking up right now Um so Like Sue Suzanne I know you Have your podcast and things like that but I definitely Would try to reach out you know get her On the podcast. yeah
3: interview like, Chris in from- Yeah
1: that, that's one thing that I'm excited for. Like with my podcast is really just like amplifying voices. You know, there's so mm-hmm. much shit that happens in college sports, whether we're talking about like racial issues or just things in general. Right. There's right. So much stuff that goes on. And so I think that's really, you know, the purpose of a lot of podcasts really with the exception of to amplify F- them, but <laughs> really just amplifying voices. Right. Uh, That's going to be really important. And that's one thing that I'm excited about. And that's one thing why I watch podcasts in the first place.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I love your mind. It's been great so far to just interviewing different student athletes. But I'm definitely going to hit her up and and contact her. Um, But it's, I mean, true. Like, podcasts are really supposed to to embrace and empower, but also kind of enlighten on issues that, you know, we don't talk about all the time or athletes or people are supposed to talk about or not. Posted but they don't talk about you know on a daily basis. It's Mm -hmm. about educating educating and empowering. So yeah, I'm glad to hear your SGHP.
0: So I will close with this With everything we have discussed what are your hopes your aspirations? What are your wishes just how would you like to see this move forward? What are you hopeful most hopeful for as far as changes And making adjustments and containing or neutralizing issues of prejudice and racism so that you three other black men and women who may be watching this may be feeling the same things you are what are your hopes as far as progress so the three of you and everyone else who identifies with you can live their lives and feel safe
1: going to say justice for George Floyd, justice for Breonna Taylor. After that, true change and reform um, Mm -hmm. at the local level, at every level that you can think of. um, And and one thing that I've been excited to see is, you know, people uh, getting disciplined for their hate you know, the racial hate that they have, you know, people are bold enough to speak on it publicly and they're getting in trouble for it. And also corporations, you know, are stepping up, like my own corporation, for instance, taking a stand against it, which is like unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. things like that and actual true commitment though, because that's the only way that we're going to see real change is if they because if they're truly committed, they'll realize that it's an ongoing thing and not just one donation here in 2020 and then they don't donate Uh, for the rest of the existence of the company Um, but just things like that you know trying to bring on a more diverse uh, bring like have more diversity in higher level positions Um, and that's just in corporate America uh, but everywhere else too right especially in communities where I, I like to think that in communities where it's like minorities and things like that, the leadership should be based mainly, at least of minorities for the most part, people that can relate a little bit. Um, so I think that's how we'll see true change. And uh, one thing I am hopeful about is millennials, whether we're white, black, brown, purple, uh, we usually tend to have an open mindset about things and we're a lot more welcoming and embracing of people of all walks of life. So as we continue to get older, I think that's gonna spread um, maybe to older generations, but more
2: so to the future generations and the younger kids coming up. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much brought it up, but justice for George Ford and Beyonce, I think discussion around Beyonce is arriving, but it needs to be even talked about more. Um, her justice have not been pleased yet. And so like, we need to have that even more right now, but just yeah, empower. My goal is to continue to empower the, the youth and continue to have conversations with you know those around me um especially you know my younger sister and my cousins and things like that so just continue to inspire and show that we gotta keep fighting if we don't fight then what's gonna happen um so i think that's just something that we gotta keep doing um and it's a goal of mine
3: i agree with both of them i think y'all took the words right out of my mouth just the fact that i know like. Uh, the song like it's been a long time coming and we still gotta keep fighting this fight mm-hmm. we probably gonna fight this fight until we die to be honest but we probably won't see much change until we or not even until anything I don't even I can't even put a deadline on it because it's always gonna be racism when you have people that still think and operate the way that they do yeah. and don't want to change so we just kinda have to be mindful of that to like
2: it's, it's gonna be a long States. fight
3: it's, yeah, so I just think that we're, we're doing, we're going in a good direction, but it's not enough. You know, like, like Tia more. said, like, we can't just talk about, like, send out statements, talking about, oh, we support the, the Black Lives Matter movement and all these corporations and companies issuing these statements and stuff. We want to see them actually put people of color in higher positions within their corporations, like Tia said. Um, until then and then like you said like we need to start with the stuff that's right in front of us George Floyd his those officers all need to be prosecuted and um and yeah prosecuted and convicted and and it doesn't need to be a light sentence like I I hate the court system honestly but at this point like that's where justice needs to be served right there within that because it's it's blatant right in front of our face and Breonna Taylor all, all these people that have been victims of violence, of police brutality. So, it starts with that, definitely.
2: Yeah, we can't stop right now. Um, it's, it's, it's been a long road and we got a lot to go, we got a lot.
0: This was a lot of fun and I learned a lot and since I started doing these panels, it kind of happened by accident, but just having this kind of conversation, I've noticed it's easier for some guests to come on if not by themselves, but it also creates more opportunities to expand on points because as we saw here, the three of you all could relate to items. You were discussing in some way, shape or form, whether it's uh, this ongoing case with George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, or Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta, which happened not long after Floyd. And Elijah McLean, his story coming to light in the last week or so. Or some of the microaggressions you dealt with at Wisconsin. Or in Indiana, as you were discuss- uh, mentioning, Tia, with taking a knee. All of these things, micro or macro, that highlight how widespread this is and why we need to sometimes check ourselves and intervene if someone does something insensitive to help teach and educate. And I feel the three of you accomplish that and then some. As you were alluding to Kayla, this struggle will likely happen after all of us pass on, but Mm -hmm. I'd like to think that we're paying more attention to it now, or as Will Smith put it a few years ago, racism isn't getting worse. It's just getting filmed. And the more we see it, the more we realize we can't just wait mm-hmm. for this to subside because that was something okay. early in this black lives matter movements when Trayvon Martin and Eric Gardner's names were coming up. And I've said this before, and I keep saying it just as a reminder that uh, sometimes change can take a long time or it takes a while to happen organically. It took me a little while, took me a few years to fully understand why the three of you were upset or engaged in this activism and protesting. And then when the links Mm -hmm. honored Philando Castile, that was my turning point where I said, or I came to the conclusion that I don't have to agree with all the methods, but I understand why you're doing this. And I would encourage you to keep doing it, even if I don't agree with you.
3: Yeah, yeah, if you don't stand for anything you fall for, or if you don't stand for something you fall for anything. And like you, and like I mentioned, yeah, it's, it doesn't matter if, the, if it doesn't end while we're on this earth, as long as we like had something to stand for, you know, and fought for something that means a lot to us, especially. So yeah, thank you for allowing us to have this discussion and giving us this platform to talk Talk yeah, thank you for
2: allowing
0: us to be here. This is great. All right.
1: oh, what was that, Tia? I said what they said. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> thank you, thank She's you. so irritating. <laughs> Your mic didn't
0: come in. Again, that Zoom. It, once this pandemic is over and it's safe, maybe we'll have like a full panel and then microphones that work. But Kayla <laughs> McMorris, uh, she'll return to her overseas professional life at some point. Uh, we don't know where. You've already been to three countries, so who knows where she'll end up. Uh, but <laughs> where in the world is Kayla McMorris. <laughs> right. <laughs> I spin smell the spinoff. No. Uh, but you can see her on the court, and perhaps you'll see her on the ball out or another publication. Or maybe you'll start a podcast or video series of your own where you uh, uh, bring up these issues. But Kayla, media savvy. And and still a baller, even if Adalia McKenzie breaks a record next winter. <laughs> I'll never forget that triple overtime state tournament thriller. So, Kaylee, you always have that. Yeah. <laughs> and Suzanne Gilreath just finished up her college career at Wisconsin. And be sure to follow her Beneath It All podcast, which you can listen to or subscribe to on iTunes or Spotify, if I'm Correct. Correct. Or I should say Apple Music. That's the official thing now. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, yes. And um, I i know I'll be uh, tuning in when you bring Kayla or Tia on and spill all the dirt on what you really thought of this interview. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tia Alberts, the founder of Rate My College Coaches, The Unfinished Business, and you've got a podcast of your own. Do you have a title for it yet?
1: It's going to be Unfinished Business. It'll just be Unfinished Business. Let's talk about it. Um, That should be coming in the next couple months. But uh, the blog is there as
2: we speak.
0: So the blog, the podcast, and it wouldn't surprise me, Tia, if you start a media empire of your own. I remember years ago when we first met, that was something you thought of. And even though you've switched more to the business world, that savviness that all three of you have, it wouldn't surprise me if you expand those platforms and continue this conversation long after we're done.
1: Oh, for sure. There's no limits
0: over here. That's why it's unfinished business, right? (laughs) You're not done yet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, thanks again to the three of you. This was a lot of fun catching up, and I hope we get to do this again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And if you want to be a guest for a future panel or podcast on Miked Up Sports, just contact us at tsbtelevision at gmail.com or reach out to me on social media at bmikepedon on Twitter or Instagram. As long as we can find new guests or angles to explore, and with the 24-7 news cycle, there's always something new, we'll continue offering this series because the movement, the conversations, they're not going to stop just because the initial shock of what happened to George Floyd has subsided, and we are happy to contribute to these ongoing Conversations. With that, that concludes this panel edition of Miked Up Sports. Thanks for watching. If you'd like to support TSB television programming, check us out on Patreon, PayPal, or Cash App. And thanks for watching Miked Up Sports.